all ninjas, calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. What I found interesting is his talk was was the the feather on the cap, maybe, of the entire conference, and he kind of encompassed this this entire theme of taking a more naturopathic approach. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your Lime Journey Guide, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 232 with yours truly and Aurora. Yes. So welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello. And today we're going to talk about what we learned at the Midcoast Maine Lyme Disease Conference. We had an awesome time, met awesome people, and we want to share that with you. It was really great. <laughs> Thanks, Aurora. And a big shout out to all you longtime Lime Ninjas. You're the reason we have half a million downloads. Aurora and I really appreciate you tuning in. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. You are now officially a Lime Ninja. Welcome, Lime Ninja. As you know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join you from all over the world. And this past week we've had listeners tune in from France to Finland and from Nigeria to Norway. Okay, Aurora, this is the part where you normally tell us about the guests. <laughs> But we're the guests. And I would say let's try to list all of the speakers, but really... There are too there, many. There are too many. It was a very, very long conference. So but why don't you give us <laughs> your highlights? I especially liked Top the... I, I liked Beth Carrison's, and she talked about AlphaGal. Uh, I liked Holly Ahern's talk, and we've had her on the show before. I was excited to hear from her again. And then we had uh, the keynote speaker, Dr. Tom Moorcroft, and he did a great presentation on environment, your body's environment. I really want to encourage you to go to a conference this year. Take the time out. Make travel plans, get the support you need. Even if it's a smaller local conference, it will do your heart and soul and mind good to be around people who aren't Lyme idiots. I think we're going to create a new, <laughs> a new t-shirt or something. I'm not a Lyme idiot. Or maybe we can give t-shirt the Lyme idiot award. And I got a call yesterday afternoon from a friend 
And it was about her granddaughter who was in Pennsylvania and got bit by a tick. They found the tick on the child's scalp, removed the tick. It was half fed. They sent it off to get tested, tested, tick tested, tested. And the tick tested positive for Borrelia. And the care she got from her primary physician was absolutely atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Now, I'm not telling doctors how to do their jobs, but at some point, there has to be some sympathy. The bottom line here was the mother was very, very concerned about Lyme disease. The tick did come back positive. The child didn't have any symptoms, which is good news. It's not conclusive. So there's no rash. We know that doesn't mean you don't have Lyme disease and no sickness. And we also doesn't mean, no, that doesn't mean you have Lyme disease. But the signs are kind of positive. But the way this woman was treated by her pediatrician was atrocious, including, so the mother's panicking a little bit. She says, you know, can't we do some sort of antibiotic therapy prophylactically? Now, they give antibiotics for everything under the sun all the time. Why not a short prophylactic dose. Not even prophylactic dose, but treatment dose of, you know, what harm is going to be in 10 days of doxycycline, a child dose, really, in the grand scheme of things. You'd give it for all these other things that would happen. If she cut her foot on a rusty nail, she'd be getting treatment for it. But here she is, she's bit by a tick and, and understand the emotional impact. You know, the medical mantra or dictum is first do no harm, right? Primum, whatever it is, first. That's got the primum part. I don't know what the do no harm is. My Latin is You're terrible. a lapsed choir boy. Your yeah. Latin is terrible. Uh, anyway, so th- there's a Latin phrase that all medical students are taught, and we all know it's first do no harm. However, doing nothing can also be harmful, right? The way this woman was treated was harmful, the stress this pediatrician created in the family, like zero sympathy. This pediatrician has zero sympathy, my way or the highway. Come on. This isn't communist, Cuba, communist, Russia. Maybe even get better care in Cuba or Russia than you did here in Pennsylvania. Just absolutely atrocious. So anyway, again, bottom line, get yourself to a conference. It will do your heart, mind, and soul good. All right. That's my soapbox rant for the month year. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was out at a at a booth, um, and just the amount of people who were walking around and who could understand, like, oh, I have sensory issues because I'm sick with Lyme disease. Oh, I get really, really tired easily, so I'm not going to be able to be here for the whole day. Like, there's so much understanding there, and it's it was just really nice to be around that. Yes, it's not. Oh, what's wrong with you? It's oh, I get it. Yeah. Exactly. That was me last year. Don't worry, it'll get better or something like that. It's possible for it to get better. Again, get yourself to a conference. Get yourself around people. We are social animals by nature. 
Matter of fact, I was listening to a podcast this morning, and they were talking about how social cues can influence how we process information, including things you wouldn't think would be influenceable. Like they did a study on the length of lines, so the perception of length of lines. So you look at a piece of paper, and there are lines on a paper. They're different lengths. How hard can that be, right? So with zero influence going into it, people can identify which length is like and not like each other. However, if somebody comes into the room and gives you false information, fake news, like, oh, I think that line's the the longest. Guess what happens? 30% of the people get it wrong after that. Are going to say, are going to agree. Yes. Just because somebody else is like that. We're social animals. So if you're social community, if your community is full of people who don't support you, it makes life 30%, let's use that, steal that number, harder. And you're going to confuse reality with their opinions. Oh, well, I can't be feeling this way because the doctor says it can't be. Well, that's just not true. It's just not true. All right. Let's get a little bit into the specifics of who spoke. We want to report out. And let's begin with your your top three here. And the first one was... Uh, Beth Harrison, who was an advocate for an, the alpha-gal syndrome, which is the meat allergy. And will you spell her last name? Because it sounds like Harrison, but it's not. No, it's C-A-R-R-I-S-O-N. Beth Harrison. Beth Harrison. Yes, I heard Harrison. I know that wasn't your pronunciation. It was my hearing. I was 30% influenced by all the Harrisons I know. Anyway, so Alpha Gal is not a feminist empowerment movement. It's... The uh, meat allergy. The meat allergy. It's the meat allergy syndrome. And she gave a fascinating presentation on that on what it's like to live with this infection. And this is primarily from the Lone Star Tick, although it's possible that can be transmitted with other ticks. And Aurora, what were you what what impressed you most about Beth and her story? Well what truly impressed me about it was the the sudden realization of it's it's almost like becoming vegan. Just the sudden realization of how many animal products are used in everyday objects. Like she was talking about how suddenly she had to deal with uh, reacting to her shampoo and conditioner and suddenly all of these invisible, you know, invisible things in her life, she suddenly started have, having to pay attention to because these were potential um, allergens to her now. The other bottom line thing, and maybe this will trigger a thought for some of you out there is we think about it in terms of meat allergies. So we're thinking it's, it's promoted as a red meat allergy, but Beth's main trigger is pork. She told the story of somebody put a pulled pork sandwich in front of her and she had to go running from the room and almost had or had an anaphylactic shock response to it. We think about it in terms of red meat. So if you're out there and it, it's a mam, it's a mammal allergy, mammal meat, mammal protein allergy. So if you have trouble with pork, with lamb, of course with beef. So this isn't going to in- include chicken and fish. This is really just this mammal proteins. If you find yourself struggling with pork, you may have this allergy. And again, it's tick-borne. You get it from a a, a vi- don't you get it from a virus that comes with it? Yeah. 
Anyway, I forget the details of that. But the bottom line, it's something else you can get from take. So if you're struggling with protein allergy type symptoms, and it's not an immediate response, it's a delayed response too, right? So this means it's not your... Uh, the first phase of your innate immune system, it's the second wave. So it's going to happen uh, four to six hours as the neutrophils kind of get into the tissue there in response to these allergens. So it's going to create a ton of inflammation later on. So it can happen right away, kind of like a peanut allergy, but it can be delayed as well. So we just want to put that out there. And again, this is alpha-gal, G-A-L, and alpha like alpha-omega, so A-L-P-H-A. If you're having trouble tolerating mammal proteins or you're having weird reactions to personal care products, you mentioned deodorants. Did you mention toothpaste even? She, yeah, she did mention I mean, toothpaste. toothpaste, funny things like that. Or you go into a restaurant or a building, you just can't deal with the, the smell. If it's really triggering you, this might be an issue. It's very rare, but it's also fairly easy to diagnose. So think about that, alpha-gal syndrome. All right, so that was Beth Carrison. And you can look her up. She's got a Facebook group, and they've got information out there. It's all readily available. She's done a wonderful job, basically as a pioneer, and uh, put her flag in the ground saying, I'm going to help people like me because it's been such a struggle. I mean, she even talked about going to get medical procedures done, and some of the like gels that they use have mammal proteins in them and can cause serious reactions. So it's, it's really one of these mystery type things until you know what it is. And then it's just a royal pain in the neck. I told her this was my worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> she said mine too. Oh, yeah, yeah. The other speaker that I thought was quite memorable was Sandy Berenbaum. Um, who was actually the co-author of When Your Child Has Lyme Disease. And I finally got to meet her. And she's a lovely lady. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she was talking about um, kind of the more legal side of things and providing options, like educational options for people who have who are who have gotten sick with Lyme and now have neurological and educational disabilities because of it. Do you remember one of the speakers mentioned that Lyme disease particularly affects young people more so than older people? Do you remember who said that? I don't remember who says that. Anyway, that was one of the facts that came up. So the whole educational piece becomes massive, right? Especially for parents dealing with children with Lyme disease. So Sandy's book, which she co-authored with Dorothy Leland, what is it called again? When your child has Lyme disease. Yes, a parent survival guide. That's right. When your parent when when your parents when your child has Lyme disease. It's an excellent book. I highly recommend it. We've interviewed Dorothy about this book earlier. And it really gets into the nitty gritty of how to put together a team to support your child. And I also think it's a great roadmap book for people in general. So if you haven't looked at this book, go to the library, pick it up, go ahead and buy it. It's on Amazon. It's a great book. And as Aurora said, we got tons of information about how to deal with the special education side 
or even the special accommodation side yeah. of education that's available to you. But you have to know kind of and advocate for yourself and for your child to get those services and those accommodations online. And really, that presentation was great. So again, if you need to uh, look into that, Sandy Berenbaum is a great resource. So you can look her up. Yep. And spell her last name. It's B. E-R-E-N-B-A-U-M. And she practices in uh, Connecticut, actually. So if you look for her, she's a Lyme literate psychotherapist. Which is pretty cool. There are a few of those out there. There are more than a handful. I think that's awesome. There's so much that happens with that. And her specialty, again, is... Children. Is children. Yep. Okay, let's talk about the keynote speaker, Dr. Tom Warcroft. He was... An amazing character. I hadn't run across him before, but he's been very, very influential in ILADS. He's in the Lyme community and really has, he's an osteopath, but he comes at Lyme more like a naturopath. And I think the naturopathic approach to health and Lyme disease is by far and away ahead of what the allopathic, the regular doctors are thinking. They're just more holistic thinking to begin with. And that's important. You talk to some of these physicians who've had Lyme disease or somebody in the family has had Lyme disease, and they kind of come around to, oh, the antibiotics have stopped working. I need to think outside the box. A naturopath starts outside the box here. And in this case, Dr. Moorcroft also did. And that's his training from ILADS. So you got to take your hats off to ILADS and the work they're doing out there. What I found interesting is his talk was was the, the feather on the cap, maybe, of the entire conference. And he kind of encompassed this this entire theme of taking a more naturopathic approach, which is support the body the person yes support the person and support the immune system and the 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 sickness will take care of itself from from there almost um yes I very think, generalized but <laughs> yes and i think this is so important it's it's not that this is a very important point aurora and i think this is where we get into big arguments between the allopathic side and the alternative medicine side of thing it's not either or Right. Yeah. It's not just support the body and don't treat the, the infection at all. Right. However, the allopathic side is just treat the infection. The person doesn't matter. Matter of fact, anything outside of what we're doing is placebo and we don't want to deal with placebo. You need to do both. Most likely you need to go after the infections. Right. That's the other thing. Right. Begin with the idea that there are multiple infections here take care of those, but then support the body as well. And that means body, mind, and spirit, which is why we are encouraging you to go to a conference because it will support your mind and your spirit, which is important. There's the field called psychoneuroimmunology, and there are other psycho... <laughs> psycho people. There psycho are fields out there. Yeah, exactly. There are also other fields out there that deal with the influences of the mental state, emotional state, and the functioning, the proper functioning of your body. I was just looking into a, a, a gene expression. I happen to have this funny little gene I came across, the ME1 gene, and it's a really rare SNP. So it's 
basically people who have a double mutation there, a homozygous mutation, don't live. They don't exist. But I have one. So I'm 1.4% in, in Bob Miller's uh, database. So I had to look it up. It's like, okay, this is really rare. Yeah. I wonder what it is. And it's involved with cardio, stress-induced cardiomyopathy. So that means I'm more susceptible to stress. You would never would have guessed that, would you? No, you. It is. With so it your actually blood does, pressure. It actually does. Right. It actually does damage to my heart. That's that's kind of crazy. But here's, it's a combination of stressful influences, so mental, emotional, and genetics, and all putting that together. So again, back to, it's not either or. So Dr. Moorcroft isn't saying ignore the bugs and just hold somebody's hand and sing lullabies to them. Nobody's saying that, but don't discount. Don't forget to treat that part of the person too. Because if you take away somebody's stress, if you mitigate it, if you reduce their stress, if you help their mind, then their immune system's going to work better. It's just that simple. And you have to pay attention to nutrition. When we're super deficient in something, eating veggies isn't going to do it. If you're got behind the eight ball in vitamin C or magnesium, for example, you're, you have to take a supplement. Sorry. That's, that's you got, but you guys know all that. Yeah. I I will say one thing about that is when you're sick, when you're chronically sick like this, your body is running a marathon every single day. And if you pay attention to how marathoners and these extreme athletes talk about food and nutrition, they take it really, really seriously. So do not dismiss the nutrition aspect of your health because your body needs everything that you can give it. Yes. And there's biochemical individuality. Yes. Which means that Aurora's <laughs> different than I am and her needs for nutrition may be radically different, even though we share a lot of the same DNA because of a father-daughter relationship. It's important to know those distinctions, know what your body needs, figure out what your body needs, figure out what your heart needs, what your mind needs, what you need in your community. And we're going to bridge this over and talk a little bit about our presentation. I say our presentation because we worked really hard on this on the drive up there. (laughs) You laughed. We, we We did work really hard on it. Yeah. And that is the presentation of our Lyme roadmap. And... We've been mentioning this in the past few episodes, and sometimes we skip over it lightly. We're going to spend a little time to go into it heavy. We've created a new worksheet for you. It's a nice 11 by 17 document. You can download that PDF, take it to Staples in a thumb drive, or email it to them. They can print it out on the 11 by 17 size. Print it out in color. It costs like a buck or two, something like that. It looks great. You can fill it out. And basically, what we're having you do is think about all the different aspects that go into a successful Lyme journey. And getting Lyme disease is like getting hit on the head, stuffed in a trunk, and dropped off in the middle of nowhere. And you come to and you say, what just happened? And you're feeling a little woozy because you got knocked on the head. Yep. And most people, right, you just go to the doctor and say, what am I supposed to do? 
And in being dropped off in the middle of the woods, there are a lot of jokesters out there. A lot of pranksters are going to give you bad advice. You're going to have be walking in the wrong direction. So it takes a while to figure out where you are and where you need to go. And a lot of times in the Lyme journey, you know, it's almost like a mirage. You know, those old movies where they were looking for water and they see the shimmering in the mirage ahead and it's just more sand ahead. A lot of times we pin, pin all our hopes on one protocol. Right. This one, we want to research the, the heck out of one particular protocol. If we find the perfect protocol, the perfect magic bullet, that's all we need to get out of Lyme disease. But this gets back to Dr. Norcroft, sorry, Moorcroft and, and a lot of the other speakers. Lyme is complicated. It's not simple. A, you just have, may have more than one infection. You may have heavy metal toxicity. You may have viral infections. You may have mold. Gut dysbiosis, depression, all the mental things that can come along with being chronic ill for a long time, nutritional depletions, you know, just fill in the blanks, genetic mutations, on and on and on and on. And they all may be holding you back. It may not be just one thing holding you back. We all like to think, oh, if I just get the one answer, then I can move forward. So this roadmap we've created helps you start to think and lay out the different pieces that you need to move forward with your journey, getting your mindset straight, getting the diagnostic straight. What exactly are you dealing with? Once you're beyond dealing with infections, whatever they might be, again, mold through viruses with Lyme somewhere in the middle of that, are you still sick? If you're still sick, what else could it be? Is it oxalates? Is it heavy metal poisoning? Is it an autoimmune issue. An autoimmune issue that's been triggered, like the alpha-gal syndrome. Yep. Is it purely uh, an emotional issue, right? Are you just thoroughly depressed and need help coming out of that? Th- these are all important parts. And then once you are kind of on your path better and you're 90% better, 85% better, some number What's going to keep you going, keep you on your protocol that got you that far? Or are you going to drop things out saying, eh, I'm all better now, and then find yourself maybe six weeks later, eight weeks later, suffering again, having a relapse, and then realize, oh, darn it, I forgot to take my desiccated liver pills, and I ran out and stopped taking them, or I stopped taking my magnesium. So there's this this final, the last leg of recovery from Lyme disease takes a lot of effort just to stay steady and stay strong. And then finally, there's the re-entry into normal world again, right? When you've spent so much time and energy creating a community to support you, you forget by necessity that they're jerks out there. Right, Aurora? You're laughing. Yep. Right? The world is full of jerks, people who don't have your best interest at heart. And when we're in a healing cocoon that we've created for ourselves because we've had to, we eliminate all those people. It's kind of nice. But the real world involves dealing with people like that. And we forget how upsetting that can be. And we're out of practice dealing with people like that. Our thin, our thin has gotten skin. Our skin has gotten thin. Right? Because mm-hmm. we've been focused inward and taking care of ourselves. So that's part like rebuilding those social boundaries, those social barriers, the mental strength to deal with idiots out there, like our pediatrician friend in the beginning of this podcast. Right? Yep. 
that that takes something too. So there's all these phases that we've laid out in this worksheet. So I encourage you to go to LimeNinjaRadio.com. You'll see a link for it there. You can download it again, print it out at Staples. We're at some point in the near future going to start having classes about this, right? And to help you figure out, we're not telling you what you should be doing, but we're telling you this is the areas you should be looking in. Right. Maybe, maybe the sequence of what you should be doing. We're going to help you with that. And maybe most important, and I should have mentioned this first and not last, but people remember what we mentioned last. <laughs> and the, maybe the most important thing is an information diet. Yes. We're telling you not to listen to Lime Ninja Radio. No. <laughs> Keep us on your short list. <laughs> But there is so much information out there right now, and so much of it is contradictory. If you have your plan A and your plan B for what you're dealing with right now, first of all, you can only test one variable at a time. So if you're testing A, B, C, D, and E at the same time, you're just going to be more confused. You're just creating confusion yourself. So you're testing one variable at a time. Do I need to take care of the Babesia? Do I need to take care of the heavy metal? Do I need to take care of my emotional state? Do I need to look at my genetics? You know, you're testing one thing at a time. You need plan A for that and plan B, right? Don't put all your eggs in plan A, right? The magic bullet phenomenon we talked about. So you need to stop that, have your plan B, have those two things. So maybe we're talking about... An herbal protocol A, like Bill Rawls, and maybe as a backup, we're going to try Biocidin or Cowden protocol or whatever that might be. Whatever you've researched, whatever fits in your budget. That's another item we haven't talked about. Whatever fits in your budget and fits with your view on the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um- there's, I'm reminded of a story that I read recently about a woman who basically created her own protocol and how that, and she created that with um, basically oregano pills and a few other, and liposomal vitamin C. And it would really, I admired her because it was very clear that she had gotten the information she needed and she was able to distill what she could do from all of that information, which is an incredibly difficult task. So to be able to create mm, distinctions and a, uh, a framework that you can then put your treatment plan into is important. Yes. So that's an example of plan A. And it actually makes a lot of sense. Oregano has a lot of antiviral, antibacterial, antifungal properties to it. It's used all the time for people helping put their guts back together again. So killing off yeast overgrowths, things like that. So it makes a lot of sense to do an oregano type pill. And vitamin C also, if you're not taking vitamin C, you should research it and consider it. Well, maybe not yeah, a little bit of research. <laughs> Plan B research. Research it a little bit. We're talking yeah. about uh, stay up information until ten a.m. Yeah, stay no, up until ten p.m. researching, yeah, no, not no, until no. three a.m. Yeah, no, 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 no. Anyway, to, to have have a look at vitamin C. Vitamin C is inside your immune cells. A lot of your immune cells, like four to five times, three, four, five times greater uh, density 
concentration than in the, in the blood around or the fluid around these cells. Your immune system uses vitamin C to keep the cells, the immune cells healthy while they're fighting infections. So if you have vitamin C in the cell, the cell does not need to burn through the glutathione to stay alive, basically. So you need your vitamin C and it's hard to get enough vitamin C. It really, truly can be. That's why you might want to look at taking a supplement. Anyway, so the point is, we're totally down on the side street here. <laughs> yes, this woman's are. protocol made sense, right? That's her plan A. So she needs the plan A. She needs to try this out probably for in the neighborhood of four to eight weeks. I would say eight weeks. You need two months to allow a protocol to kind of get its mojo going. Two sh- if you do it just one week, oh, I'm not feeling better, abandon it. Uh, it's probably not a good idea. Now, you may need to modify it. Like if you're having a bad Herx from an antibiotic, you can modify things or for another herbal protocol. But if things aren't moving as quickly as you want, be patient. Give it two months. At the end of two months, that's when you can do an assessment. Am I better off than I am? And then you bring up plan B. Right. So now you've got plan B. So your eggs weren't, your emotional eggs aren't all weren't in one basket. You just move on to the next protocol. And once you've got your executing plan B, then you can go back to researching what, what's plan C going to be. Right. Just in case plan B doesn't work. So you don't need to have information on 40 protocols. You just need to have two, the one you're doing and the one you're going to do next. And that's the point of our roadmap is just to have those two things. Option A and option B. After that, stop. You're going to make yourself crazy. There's too much information out there. There's too much contradictory information out there. Pick one thing, trust it, trust yourself, trust your research, and go for it fully for two months. And then find out whether it's working for you or not. And to do that, you can use the Lyme Symptom Tracker, which is another tool we have on our website. That's a Survey that takes about, what, seven minutes to fill out, five minutes, not that long. You do it once a month to find out whether you're making progress or not. It gives you a number score, right? It it uses questions that Dr. Harwitz put together for his Lyme diagnostic tool. We eliminate some of the things that just aren't relevant. And so you've got these basic questions about your health. And it gives them a numerical score, and it could be anywhere from in the teens to we've had people in the hundreds, right? And so the higher the number, the worse your symptoms. And the, the game is, the goal is to bring this number down over time. And you just do it once a month. Don't make yourself crazy. Don't track things daily. There's too many twists and turns in your Lyme journey. All right, I think that covers most of it, Aurora. Have we left anything major out? I I don't think so. I would like to ask you if there was anybody else that you that you that would, really broke I, out to you, but I think we put like I a like very everybody. nice button on this conversation. Well, there's two things and really it's a combination of Dr. Honey, Kristen Honey, who's the innovator in residence at the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. And she's the co-chair of the TIC. The tipping point? No, no, the the TIC 
group that they were the tick work Lyme disease working oh, group. Oh yes, the Lyme disease working. Group. I forget their official name, but she's a co-chair of that. She's had Lyme herself, and she's talking about kind of seeding innovation by having a prize. Like they have the SpaceX prize, like the first rocket gets so much money. They're talking about having a Lyme innovation prize and really letting the best and brightest minds come up with ideas rather than trying to force feed a solution through the usual channels. Because innovation comes from the edges, not from the middle. You need to bring people in from the outside who have different ideas. If the establishment had an answer for Lyme disease, we would have had this cure already, right? And we wouldn't be here right now. We wouldn't be here right now, right? So she and Holly Ahern, and Holly Ahern is the uh, professor of microbiology at SUNY Adirondack, and really kind of the combination of those, I had a side conversation with Dr. Ahern and I should say with Professor Ahern, with Professor Ahern, and she is talking about diagnostics. In her mind, in terms of policy, in terms of treatment, in terms of research, the sticking point is we don't have a good test right now. And she's been keeping tabs on the different companies who are coming online. We thought a couple years ago things would be further along. We hit... Uh, roadblock with that company out of Arizona that had this amazing test that was going to test eight different things, 20 different things at the same time with a simple blood stick. There's some legal issues and it's not even legal like somebody stopping them. It's they're doing business with another company and the other company wants their uh, technology and is not willing to share it at this point. So in order to make sure their contract goes through, the Lyme disease piece of it has kind of been put to the side right now. And it's unfortunate, but that's those unforeseen roadblocks that happen in life in the real world. So there are other companies out there, but they're a little bit behind. So Holly is really interested in supporting the innovation, which is where Kristen's work comes in too, and the development of these new tests. And I really think that's, I'm, I'm with them on this. The sticking point for us as a Lyme community is testing. So if you have any way, if you know anybody who does tests, if you have any way to fund tests or to influence people researching tests or bringing tests to market, that's the area that needs to be concentrated on. And that would have prevented the tick idiot pediatrician at the beginning of this podcast from this problem we had, right? If that pediatrician had a decent test, her response to the mother would have been completely different and compassionate. She said, no problem. We'll test you right now and let you know if you have to worry about this. Instead, we got all this drama about opinions about Lyme disease. Like, good grief. Can't we get down to the science of it? And the answer is no. Right now, unfortunately, that's right. (laughs) Right now, it's all in the opinion world. Right. Even though we know the tick is positive, right? That's a step. But did it get transferred? Mm, Mm. The tick was partially fed, right? We don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. And the, the, the ELISA and the Western blot are antibody test. So if the body hasn't generated enough antibodies yet, we don't know. We don't know. So we need better testing. That's that's the bottom line. And really that for me that was the bottom line of the conference. The most the frustrating point and the point of opportunity is to move through this sticking point of no diagnostics. Once we have the diagnostics that really is good and can test for all the co-infections at the same time, we can start distinguishing what exactly people are dealing with, right? And then you can start testing 
different interventions. You know, does a sauna work better than antibiotics? Does cat claw work better than oregano? We can begin to answer those questions once we have a good test and a test in humans. So that's the report from the 2019 Midcoast Lyme Disease Support and Education Conference, hosted by Paula Jackson-Jones and Angel Rice. And if you can make your way to Augusta, Maine next year, April 11th, please do. The more the merrier. Yes, join us. It was a great conference, and I'm sure next year's will be even better. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, hit the subscribe button so you won't miss an episode. And if you really like what we're doing, leave a review on your podcast app. It helps us reach more people like you. Okay, time out. want to pause there. I really, really want to emphasize this. If you're still listening, you have some sort of affinity for us. Maybe you like what we're doing. Maybe you think we can do better. It would help tremendously getting the word out if you left a review on iTunes for us. We would really, really appreciate it. Our last review was back in October. So we haven't doing a, been doing a good job asking you, our listeners, to leave a review. It makes a massive difference. At least hit the star button if you don't have time. If you have time to write down just one sentence or two, that would be awesome. What happens is iTunes looks for these reviews, and the more reviews there are, they move you up the list and more people listen to it. So this is, we think we have the best information about Lyme disease in a podcast out there hands down. We're really proud of what we've done. If you agree with us, write write a review, please. We're begging you. We're asking you. We're imploring you. Just write write nice. (laughs) Or good job. Even that would go a long way. Yes. And hit hit the five buttons. Yeah. The five stars. Five star button. Yeah. Or even if it's a one star. Yeah. Leave us some helpful advice. Actually, if you have helpful advice for us, some constructive criticism, send feedback. At Lime, feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. Send us an email, feedback. So save, send. publicly praise us, privately, <laughs> you can rake us over the coals. And that email again is feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with... A Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know an Instagram fitness guru asked a ninja how many push-ups she could do? She answered, all of them. Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique, and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.